This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 31st, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The new Utah law governing discrimination and religious liberty was supposed to be a landmark compromise. But as Cato senior fellow Walter Olson explains, the so-called Utah Compromise doesn't strike a balance so much as deepens government's involvement in otherwise free association. There has been a lot of interest spurred by a new law passed by the Utah legislature, which, according to its fans at least, uh, may neutralize the culture war on uh, that had been raging for years between the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormons, and uh, gays and their advocates. And this bad feeling goes back quite a long time uh, when California passed its Proposition 8. The Mormon Church was instrumental in uh, organizing for it and uh, has played an important role in other states uh, trying to prevent uh, gays from getting married. And Utah, not too surprisingly, as a state that is uh, heavily influenced, if not totally dominated by the church, uh, was one of the many states that did not have any uh, anti-discrimination laws on its books uh, the, about sexual orientation. That has now changed. The attitude of the Mormon Church has changed, and uh, they passed a bill which um, uh, enacted those anti-discrimination laws for private employment and housing in Utah, and at the same time added what were billed as religious liberty protections. Uh, this is why it's a compromise. The uh, new language which was said to protect the interests of religious believers in the workplace. So it's hailed as uh, Americans working out their problems in a centrist way. The Brookings Institution did a, a, a whole event on it. Uh, you know, my friend Jonathan Rausch, who I ordinarily agree with, was very enthusiastic about it. So I took a look at it, and my opinion was very different from a libertarian standpoint. Uh, I didn't like either half of the Utah Compromise. Uh, I think it's... Uh, not really a way to get out of the culture wars, but potentially a way to get further into them. And I think that it typifies the kind of solution that you get when you bring two people together at a bargaining table or two interest groups together at a bargaining table, forgetting that uh, there are people not represented at the table whose interests may get sacrificed in the resulting compromise. Uh, all right. So who who's who was not at the table, who who paid a price? Well, you notice that both halves of this, and I'll get into more detail on the religious liberty in a moment, but both halves restrict the liberty of employers uh, and others to choose who to deal with. And that means that uh, people trying to run a workplace in Utah are now going to be doubly regulated. They're going to have two new t uh, sets of laws uh, to potentially run afoul of and get sued over. And so they may not feel that, that balance is out. They may not feel that there's a wonderful balance between <laughs> new legal jeopardy on one side and different new legal jeopardy on the other side. I mentioned religious liberty, but when you actually look at the terms of the law, and I brought it along because some of the individual words are important, uh, Utah has announced something kind of new in American law, which is a right to talk about religion and morality at your workplace without retaliation from your employer. Now, some of this uh, is familiar because some states say that you can talk about religion or 
politics outside the workplace and you're, uh, you can't be fired or, or, or demoted or whatever uh, because of what you've done outside the workplace. But until now, so far as I know, everyone has admitted that um, if the boss wants you to stop talking about religion when a customer walks in uh, because the customer might be offended, that's okay for the boss to do that. Not so in Utah anymore. Um, employers may just have lost the right to ask their employees, stop talking about religion if it's going to bother someone, if it's going to bother your coworker, if it's going to bother uh, the customer. Um, uh, that employer may now have just walked into a big lawsuit. And here's the language that Utah has passed. An employer an employee may express the employee's religious or moral beliefs and commitments in the workplace in a reasonable, disruptive, and non-harassing way on equal terms with similar types of expression of beliefs or commitments allowed by the employer in the workplace unless the expression is in direct conflict with the essential business-related interests of the employer. Now, let's take that apart a little bit. Until this law was passed, who decided whether the conversation was reasonable, disruptive, and non-harassing? Um, that would be the HR department. Now it's no longer the HR department. It is someone in the bureaucracy or the courts of the state of Utah that will get to second-guess that decision. Uh, there's this fascinating most favored nation uh, status where the employer could have a rule against ever discussing morality. Uh, so if the employer has a track record of jumping in whenever someone puts down the newspaper and says, oh, a serial killer, you know, how can people be so evil in the world? If the employer has a record of shushing that person and saying, no talking about morality, then they retain the right to suppress a religious conversation too. But if they have allowed conversations about morality, perhaps because they weren't very controversial or because no one complained about them, or for whatever other reason, then the most favored nation status means that they have to also allow uh, religious conversation, which, as we know, can include proselytizing. It can include strong disagreement. It can include uh, things that, again, the state of Utah may find non-disruptive, but that sure seem disruptive to the people there. One reason Utah found it possible to make a compromise is that it is one of the states without a discrimination law applying to so-called public accommodations. So you think about some of the culture war controversies over the last year to the wedding cake bakers and uh, the photographers and the various others. They're not part of this law because Utah doesn't ban discrimination in public accommodations in the first place. And as a libertarian, of course, that's worth lingering on a little bit because life has not collapsed in Utah. And in fact, it's known as a... Uh, uh, unusually polite state where uh, people generally get along with each other very well, even though they never thought to legislate against public accommodations uh, discrimination, uh, which suggests to me as a libertarian that maybe you don't need that whole category of law uh, in the first place. But beyond that, uh, you really did have a uh, what was meant to be a historic process in which um, people were meant to uh, lay down their arms in the culture war. And to the extent that happens, I I'm not going to criticize it. I would like us to get past some of the pointless bickering that surrounds these issues. But at the same time, they have just sacrificed some freedom. And uh, other states, which may have other attitudes than Utah, uh, will probably be jumping in and also beginning to regulate conversation in, in the workplace. They already do it to some extent through harassment law, but uh, they may begin saying 
that uh, you have a lawsuit because uh, your opinions were not treated as respectfully uh, by the boss as the next guy's opinions. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. He blogs at overlawyer.com. You can read more of his work at cato.org.